Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Harry Wakes right to the last. Welcome to the last word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well out there. Has it even been an international break? You've had the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. You've had Dimitar Berbatov. You now have your big West Ham preview coming your way on the last word on Spurs. And absolutely delighted to be joined by my regular bunch. I've got, I've been told I've got to say this now. It is not the instructor, okay? It's the conductor of the crazy train. Lee McQueen's in the house. Lee, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Yes, I am the conductor, I'm the instructor, I'm the inventor. I don't care what I am, but we are still on that crazy train. And boy, are we rolling towards a victory at the weekend. Love it, fantastic. Joining Lee, we've got our transfer guru in the house. Still a day to go on the deadline as we record this. Anything can still happen of the domestic window, that is. Jamie from the Daily Hotspurs here. Jay, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ricky. And yeah, looking forward to having Spurs back. I mean, it's obviously, you know, a lot of the time we've been, uh, especially after last season, not looking forward to Spurs coming back. But I think with the players we've got at our disposal now, uh, I'm very, very excited to have Spurs back. Yeah, no, it's a great, great feeling. And also one of our regulars on the show. Delighted to have the future, the prosperous youth coming through. The wonderful John from Little White Rose joins us. John, how are you? Hello, Rick. Yeah, doing really well. Thank you, mate. Really buzzing for Spurs to come back. I can't think of a time, actually. I've been more excited to watch us coming back to play football at that wonderful Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So I'm absolutely buzzing. I can't wait to get hold of those irons and it's going to be a big win for Tottenham. John, John I'm only worried, mate, only because the last time we had you on for a big yeah, preview... Yeah, don't I'm give him a chin talk, John. <laughs> I'm not going to remind you of the Everton preview. What happened after, the, after that Everton game was they stuck John Wenham's preview motivational talk up there in that change room and said, guys, listen to this. And there you go. We got the result after that. So we're hoping this time we'll try and be mellow. But there's a lot of excitement, John, isn't there? There's got to be a lot of excitement with the front three we've got. Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. I mean, 
to have Kane, Son and Bale, is there a better front three in the Premier League? I think not. No chance. Honestly, I agree. Got so much to discuss. We're going to come on to Kane, Bale, Son later on. Guys, let's dip our toes into the international break. We don't want to talk about this for too long, but we saw Eric Dyer sustain a slight hamstring complaint. We're going to know some more news on that when Jose Mourinho holds his pre-match press conference, which will be on Friday via Zoom. And it was a bit of a mixed night of fortunes for our players in the UEFA Nations League on Wednesday as the last month's international fixtures were played out across Europe. We saw Harry Kane against Pierre-Emir Hoybier with a Dane emerging with a 1-0 win to leave the three Lions in their group in a quite a difficult position with two games remaining. We saw expert Christian Eriksen doing the damage from the penalty spot shortly after the dismissal of Manchester United defender Harry Maguire. In that game, of course, we saw Chelsea defender Rhys James showing a red card. Let's go to Lee for instant reaction. Lee, in terms of the international break, what did you make of performances? Any concerns for you at all over Eric Dyer's slight injury? Well, you'll be happy, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to be happy. You well, mean, I'm you're not a Eric Dyer fan. I wouldn't want to miss injury on him. <laughs> no, fair play. Um, look, I think that uh, I think he's going to be an integral part of our season. Um, so hopefully he'll be OK. Maybe it's a precaution. I think that the England versus club versus country row um, was blown out of proportion. It's actually quite interesting having it be in Tottenham, isn't it? it? In years gone by, it's always been like Man United or Liverpool. Fergie used to do it all the time, didn't he, with Manchester United. And now it's Jose with Spurs. So it's quite... It's quite interesting on that side. I actually didn't have a problem with Harry Kane playing, to be honest. He's he's a world-class striker, um, as we know, number nine, and now, of course, this season, number 10. Um, And also, he's, um, you know, he's England captain. So you've got to put into context that he wants to play every game as normal, and he wants to play, uh, you know, the England games as well and become top goal scorer in England. So, you know, from that perspective, I didn't, if he's fit, which he was, didn't have a problem with that. Um, there were some tasty challenges going in, weren't there, from Hoiberg at certain areas. Um, I think he played brilliantly uh, for, from his side of the game. Um, and uh, the England's performance as a whole, I mean, I don't know what crock and ball they were coming out of after the game, so we can be proud. I think they were woeful, um, to, to, to be fair. But um, everybody seemed, unless you're going to tell me something different, everyone seemed to come back to Hotspur Way um, in, uh, in, good, in good spirits and good health. And, uh, you know, I saw some of the training um, videos today from, from the club. <laughs> I still can't get over the fact that Gareth Bowers training properly with the team. It's just Madness. superb. Epic. And I cannot, yeah, like by, uh, what John said, absolute buzzing. Cannot wait to see that front three uh, get together. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's all good. I mean, the international break is a difficult one. And I think our very own Jace made a brilliant point on social media this week when he talked about how many people follow England when there's a big tournament on, yet everybody slates him when there's, there's friendlies or nation leagues going on. So, you know, per- personally for me, I would choose club over country. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're, you know, a majority of the listeners are, you know, to put the national team, whether or not you're Irish or you're American or you're English or whatever. And that, and that has to come into play. So um, I, I don't think they're pointless. Uh, I think there, there is there is more competitive now around the Nations League. And, and I'm just thankful that the Spurs players come back to, uh, to training and everyone is fit. Yeah, exactly. Like I say, we will have some more update on Eric Dyer when Jose Mourinho holds that pre-match press conference. Whilst I'm not Eric Dyer's biggest fan, as Lee pointed out there, I don't want to see the guy, you know, injured. You know, it's important that we have our full fit squad available to us ahead of the game against West Ham. John, coming around to you, we saw Harry Kane complete the full match for Gareth Southgate's side, while Pierre-Emile Hoybier played the majority of the game before being replaced in the 88th minute. And I've got to be honest with you, John, was it just me or did Hoybier have Kane in his pocket for that game? Yeah, Hoybier was excellent last night. I hope it was more of 
Kane just sort of reserving his energies and his stock for coming back to Hotspur Way and playing for Tottenham Hotspur. Because for me, actually, although he played the full 94 minutes last night, Harry, he did only play 25 in the second game and didn't play at all in the first game. So I'm quite happy with England's management with him as a whole. I know there's been a whole media sort of shitstorm blown up, club versus country, but I haven't really seen it like that. I think under previous managers, we would have seen Kane be forced to play all three games. I'm pleased that Tottenham now, under Mourinho, we seem to be having a more... Uh, robust approach to international call-ups. We've seen the likes of Stephen Bergwijn, you know, uh, pull out with a slight injury, yet he trained today at Hotspur Way. We've seen the likes of Giovanni Lucelso. He had to go over to Argentina, but then he came back. So I'm very, very pleased, actually, with our uh, sort of management at the moment and, and how we're dealing with those off-the-field matters in terms of club versus country uh, minutes, um, because I think it's vitally important. We've played so many games in such a short period of time. Um uh, and this international break for me actually was more about the players that didn't travel. So we've had the likes of Endombele and Sissoko featured heavily, now having a rare chance off because they're normally always called up for France. Uh, obviously, Sonny is always being sent all over the world, whether he's doing games, military service, Olympics, you name it, son's there. Um, so I was just delighted that he had the last two weeks in Enfield with his family uh, and also at the training ground at Hotspur Way with um, Mourinho working on continuing his phenomenal start to the season. So... For me, you know, it was a welcome break. We played a lot of games and I'm, I'm pleased with the number of players that didn't go. The other positive for me is that Sergio Reguilon uh, isn't injured. He obviously played again for Spain last night. And it's really exciting to see that we've captured, actually, someone who appears to be now Spain's first choice left back. I think that shows the level that Tottenham are at now. Obviously, uh, um, Alaba, or, uh, the Barcelona, Alba, sorry, the Barcelona left back, uh, maybe on his way out. And I think it's really exciting that Tottenham Hotspur are going to have Spain's starting left back. I think it's a real credit to the club and excellent recruitment once again, as we've seen throughout the summer. Just on that, John, you mentioned Regulon there. I need to get your opinion on this. There was some reports in this last week that already there's indications that Madrid already see Regulon as being their long-term fullback. Does that concern you at all? We know that buyback clause is there. Bearing in mind the excellent start he has made to life at Spurs, are you worried at all about that long-term? Or do you just think at the moment, focus is get his head down for Tottenham and really don't worry about the future right now? Yeah, I think you've got to be quite philosophical about it. Like, we signed the guy. If they want to buy him back, someone they've sold for 30 million euros, they're going to have to pay 45 million to get him back. That's a lot of money to invest in a left back when last summer they invested a huge sum in attracting Ferland Mendy. They're still playing Marcelo. So yeah. they've got two very high-earning left backs. You can't just keep stockpiling these players. Uh, to me personally, I think he'd have to do exceptionally well to command the transfer fee of 45 million one year after selling him. It's just not good business, you know? So I, I don't personally see him going back. I think he'll be an excellent left back for Tottenham and also for Spain, but I don't see him going back in what, only one year's time. No way. You've also, he, you've got to take the player into consideration, right? Madrid loaned him out and don't want him his third choice. If he does brilliant at Spurs and bail and winning stuff or whatever we think we're going to have this year, why would he want to leave? You know, so, yeah. you know, it's down to the player as well, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's not just just because Madrid want to buy him back for forty five, he goes. You might say, no, I want to stay here with Jose. Yeah, one hundred percent. Lee, I just say one point on that. It reminded me actually of this summer when all the talk was, oh, Tottenham has some sort of buyback on Marcus Edwards, and all the people I know are telling me he's got no interest in coming back. So it's not always, oh, just the big club wants you and you're going to come calling back. Regulon might feel like he's been mucked around by Real Madrid. He went out last year, he proved himself, wanted to be given a chance this summer. And that just hasn't happened. So he might come to London. We don't know what stage he's at with a, a wife, kids, whatever. He might get settled like London and not want to go back. I just think as well that the whole deal as well was it was just such a fantastic opportunity for Spurs. I mean, look, we need desperately needed to go and upgrade our left-back spot. And 
if if the Remager do decide that they want to bring him back, we basically completely covered that um, the fee that we paid for him, the wages um, in the fee that we'll get back for him. So for me, it was just a fantastic deal all round. And if it was the case that he was to go back, and now of course, as, as John pointed out, they did invest a lot of money last summer in Ferland Mende. They spent around about fifty million euros on him, who's a who's a left back as well. So. It will be interesting to see kind of how he feels about that move going back there. But as I said, I just think it was it was a probably um, a deal that was too good to pass up for Tottenham. And yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that we've at least got him for two years because I think he's a, he's a massive upgrade for, on, on what we've had. Phenomenal show that we put out in a week, Berbatov. Um, for, for you know, is still still ready to download listens if you haven't listened to it already. It's absolutely outrageous. Uh, Berbatov says himself, don't he? At the end of the day, you know, he wants to feel love, and you know, when the manager wants you, when the club want you, you feel love, and that's where you should go. He, he, he pointed that out with Martin Yole. So you know, Jose wanted Regulon, and Daniel Levy, the club wanted Regulon, made him feel love. Why would he want to go back to Real Madrid if, of yeah. course, things go well at Spurs? So it's not cut and dried just because it's Madrid. He's been there already. Might be slightly different. He hadn't been there, but he already has. So maybe it's a slightly different scenario. And, and one other thing we must consider: if he does go back to Real Madrid, one year, two years time, that's one year or two years that Ryan Sessegnon, that Dennis Serkin have had to develop. They might be then ready to be Tottenham Hotspur players. That's a great point. Real Madrid come in, pay the fee that we've paid to take him, and an additional fifteen million if it's this summer, or twenty or twenty-five million the next summer. And we've then had Sessegnon playing a whole season in the Bundesliga. We don't know how good he's going to come back and at what value he's going to come back as a player. He yeah. could absolutely take off. The attributes are there. I'm telling you, Sessegnon, when he was coming through, the Tottenham fans forget this. When we got him, he'd come off the season before he was in the league with Fulham, the year before he'd won the, both championship awards, the player of the season. So an absolute shed, like 25 goals or whatever it was. He was up for all the European Golden Boy Awards and all this sort of stuff. And he's all right, he's had a difficult start at Tottenham, but we you know I've got full faith that he's going to do very, very well in the Bundesliga. We might have an excellent English, young, homegrown left back to come straight back into that side. So pressure's on Regulon as well to perform. Spot on. Jamie, coming around to you, just want to ask you about the treatment of Harry Kane over the last week or so. Any concerns in your mind, Joe, about how that's been handled? There were concerns by Jose Mourinho whether he should have even featured for England in this past week. As we know, Kane, at the start of the week, it looked like he was carrying a slight injury. Um, someone said it was muscle fatigue. What's been your case on it as a Spurs fan, Jay? Take your England hat off for a second here. Did you want to see Harry Kane involved whatsoever in either of these games? Well, personally, I would have preferred. Look, I'm I'm definitely club over country. I, I I don't really care too much about these, you know, these these England games. So it wouldn't have bothered me at all if Harry Kane hadn't been featured. But look, you you've got to understand. Look, Gareth Southgate. This is his main thing, and he'll want to win these matches. England will want to win these matches. The FA will want these matches to be won. And Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in the world, and you can't pass that opportunity up to play him in these competitive matches. I think that I was quite pleased with. Um, well, you could say the lack of minutes that he got. I think he was managed pretty well. You know, the fact that he didn't play in that friendly, that was really good. Um, he, he was obviously used as a, came on as a substitute. So, and then of course played the full 90 minutes, but he's the England captain. He's one of the best players in the world, as I said. So, um, you know, it's no wonder that he wants to, uh, that, that he was going to play. I think he also is looking at the, the goal records. He's a guy who's always has his eye on those. So of course he'll want to have played those games as well. And, um, yeah, for me, I think that, you know, England, I'm quite pleased with the way they manage it because he was always going to get some sort of game time. I'm just, and I'm quite glad that the, the sort of the amount of game time that he did get because I think that he could have quite easily have played a lot more, um, especially under, uh, you know, um, past circumstances. We could have seen him played all three. So um, I was overall, I was pretty happy with how, uh, yeah, how Kane did. 
Now, I've also seen there were 2-1 wins on the road for both Hugo Lloris and Toby Alavarel. Meanwhile, Hugo capped in France to success in Croatia, while Toby was ever present to Belgium as they triumphed in Iceland. Ben Davies completed 90 minutes for Wales as they won 1-0 in Bulgaria to keep the upper hand in Group B4. But Matt Doherty also put in a full shift and had no such luck in the same group as his Republic of Ireland side lost by the same scoreline in Finland. A crowd of 8,000 people were allowed in to watch that game at the Olympic Stadium in Helsinki. In the early hours of Wednesday morning, we saw Davinson Sanchez complete full 90 minutes of Colombia's 2-2 draw away to Chile in the qualifying for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. And as we've seen, Lee mentioned it there, the players have already reported back to Hotspur Way. And if you had a look on our Twitter account, you've already seen the players back in training. As John said, can't quite believe it. Lee said as well, Gareth Bale, along the likes of Hummin Son, Harry Kane, playing basketball, would you believe it? Not football, basketball was the main topic of the tie on Thursday. So listen, some interesting team news to come out. But we've got to switch our attention, guys, to the domestic window, which if you're listening to this on Friday, the window closes today at 5pm, as John very kindly gave me the heads up just before the show, which was really, really handy. Let's come round, John, to actually discuss the window with you quickly, because Spurs, we noticed some strong interest there in Joe Roden of Swansea. What do you see happening, John, on this deadline day? Is there going to be any surprises at all, John? Uh, for me, no, I, I don't think we'll actually sign Joe Roden. I know some uh, media outlets are very certain on it, but for me personally, I think the clubs are too far apart on the valuation. I don't, like, you know, I've said all along, actually, if we were going to get an exceptional first-choice centre-half, someone like Screener, go out, pay the money, get it done. Someone like Joe Roden, to me, would I have him above Tanganga in a pecking order? Absolutely not. So what's the point in signing him? For me, is he better than Eric Dyer, Davidson Sanchez? Think what you want about them. One's just played for Colombia. One's been called up for England. Toby Alderweireld's got over 50, 60, 70 caps for Belgium, regularly the captain. And Jafet Tanganga, who's come through our academy, earned his trade, plays the Tottenham way, grew up in the area. Joe Roden, for me, isn't better than any of the four. So should we be signing him for, you know, a large sum of money? It's too big a gamble. You know, we've invested quite a lot this, this summer already. I don't see it as a position we're desperate for, but if there is, we can get a one-off first-choice centre-half who comes into that 11 straight away, no questions asked, then i do it. But Joe Roden isn't that player for me. So I'm quite content with Tottenham. You know, have a look at him. And if we could have picked him up for three to five million, I would have given it a go, 100%, right? You know, like we've done in the past with the likes of Michael Dawson, Callum Davenport, Lee Mills, you know, centre-backs we've picked up for years on the cheap and some work out, some don't. But for me personally, I think it's too big a financial risk when they're talking about 15 to 20 million for a player that's never kicked a ball in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy for us to give that one a miss. I hope the club also managed to offload uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers tomorrow. The guy's 22 now, full USA international, deserves a permanent move. He's had five loans in the championship, was absolutely superb for Luton last year. But I knew the issue all along was going to be Luton have never got any money. So, you know, would we have been better served sending him to a club that do have money? Probably, because they then would have taken up the option to buy him, as we saw with Luke Amos at QPR. Sometimes a player just gets to that point where they need to find a permanent home, and Cameron is certainly one of those. He's only got now seven months remaining on his Tottenham contract. Would be eligible to sign a pre-contract in January, which is only a couple of months away, where we could risk losing him for nothing next summer. So that's one we need to certainly sort out tomorrow. I would also like Tottenham to move on Danny Rose. I don't see him moving to the Championship, so our option for him is to mutually terminate his contract. I think he's some sort of bad energy to have around the club if he's not involved, has been stripped of his shirt number. Um, like West Ham did with Jack Wiltshire, sometimes you've just got to take a hit. We've done it in the past with the likes of Adebayor and Benoit Asuikoto. Sometimes the time's right. Uh, it won't be a huge sum, seven months or whatever, 
compared to maybe that potential negative energy hanging around. We're not going to attract a fee from him in January now with only you know six months remaining on his deal then. I don't see anyone randomly coming in and paying a fee for him. We did get two million in a loan fee for him last January. So it's not a complete loss. Um, but it is time to, to move on with Danny Rose. And I think that'll be it. I don't see the likes of uh, Paolo Gazaniga dropping down to the championship. Why should he? You know, he was a solid Premier League number two for us last year. I think he'll be disappointed that he didn't get a move this summer and had things worked out differently. He may have been the one going to Aston Villa, not Emmy Martinez. So that was a maybe lost window for him. Uh, and obviously that failed move to Everton in the end of the international transfer window. Uh, apart from that, we've heard the stories that Jack Clark has impressed in training. So I think he'll stick around. We may see one or two of the other uh, development squad players head out. Off the top of my head, that would be George Marsh. He did very well at Leighton Orient last year. He should also be looking for a permanent move, in my opinion. Uh, he's proved his trade at under-23 level. He's never going to make it to Tottenham's first team, so it is time to move on. And then the other one would be Anthony Giorgio, who is now, uh, as I keep saying, six months older than Tangi Yondombele. It's absolutely insane that he's still at Tottenham, for his sake as well as ours, you know. He needs to get out, develop his own career, it's all well and good hanging around the plush facilities of Hotspur Way and saying you play for Tottenham, but he's 23, coming 24. It's time to go, you know. So we wish him the best of luck. Hopefully he can find a permanent deal. He went out on loan to Bolton last year, couldn't get a look in. Um, so look, I hope something works out for him, but it is time to go. There you go, an exclusive there from John, a real wrap-up of the domestic window for you. We're going to come on to Jamie very soon for our own transfer guru wrap-up on this. Lee, let's come round to you. One player we've been linked with heavily in these last couple of months is Joe Roden of Swansea. Now, he's been very much likened to a young John Stones. Make of that what you will. Not everybody's a massive fan of John Stones. Ball-playing centre-half, confident boy. Plays, obviously, with Gareth Bale in the Welsh national team. Very highly thought by Ryan Giggs as well. What's your thoughts on this, Lee? Would you be absolutely desperate to get this deal done on this deadline day? No, is, is, is the answer to that. I mean, I think that if it's... An, I think this sounds like opportunistic. Uh, and if there's an opportunity to get a young up-and-coming player that we might be able to sell on three, four years down the line for five or six times the, the amount, then uh, I think it's. I think it might be good business. But and and uh, look, I don't doubt. I don't know enough about the fella to be fair, but I don't doubt that he's a good player. Um, but what 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 I, I'm I'm with John really on on this. I think that you know if you've got the if you've got an opportunity to sign a Scrinoir, which we did, and we you know you could say we should have paid the money, um, then I think get get Scrinoir in, and he he immediately walks into your first team. But Joe, to be fair to him. He don't walk into the first team, does he? You know, and exactly what John said. So, yeah, I'll leave it up to, to you boys in terms of transfer gurus to, to kind of work that out. But desperate, no. Um, if we signed him, well, yeah, I'd be pleased if, he, if that's what Jose wants and that's what squad want. And it gives you a bit more competition in them, plays a bit, it gives us something slightly different, but it doesn't improve immediately our first team. Um, and therefore, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be. I'm not that worried either way. If we sign him, great. If we don't, then fair enough. Uh, the, the, the biggest, the bigger disappointment for me was not signing Squinmore. After we signed six players, we still want that one more. But I totally agree with you. That I know. I, I sound you're like right, a though. spoiled kid no, at Christmas. Right, but do you know what I mean? It I would have, that would have taken us 10 out of 10, wouldn't it, Lee? That would have taken us yeah, 10 yeah, out of 10. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. We, we're 9.97 or whatever we are, yeah. uh, or 9.75. But that would have been 10 to get him over the line. Tell you but, what, you know, I mean, uh, we can go back yeah, for him yeah. in January, can't we? Yeah. The thing is, though, you say 9.97, depending on if Sanchez and Dyer play to give it a weekend and how that goes, that 9.97 could slowly drop down to an 8. And that sounds, I know that sounds very, very critical. I mean, I've made it very clear that for me, this window was a decent success in terms of the players we brought in. But I worry and think, are we going to miss not going for Skriniar 
this window. We just hope maybe we muddle through to January and we're at a point where we can go back in from again. Let's head over to Jamie, our transfer guru. Jamie, ahead of us recording, we actually heard the Swansea boss, Steve Cooper, say that Spurs will not get Joe Roden on the cheap. He says, what I would say about Joe and any of our other assets is Joe is right up there as one of our biggest. It is really important that if we do end up selling him, then we get something to show for it. Now, as we understand it, there seems to be a difference in valuation here. Spurs, as things stand, I think they only want to pay seven to eight million. Swansea are looking around the 20 million figure. Jay, we're on this deadline day. What do you think is going to happen? Will Joe Roden finish the day as a Spurs player? Yeah, I'd be very surprised if he does. I think that it was, as the guy said, I think it was an opportunity where it was a very a guy that they probably saw as a good value player, um, a long-term investment. Obviously, he's 22 years old. But um, yeah, I think that kind of the value that Swansea are looking for is probably too high for Spurs and it doesn't really become um, kind of an opportunity anymore. So you know, I'd much rather they kind of wait until we got like a, a proper top level centre back. I think I said throughout um, throughout the summer window, I think we needed one more top, top draw centre centre back. I didn't think it was a case of we were lacking in options. I think it was more that Spurs needed that one guy who was going to come in and be able to organise that defence. I think we've got four good, very good uh, centre backs. It just needed that one guy who could come in and lead. And um, you know, Joe Roden at 22, I, I, I can't see him being that guy that would come in and do that. Um, so for me, I, I kind of hope we do wait till January and we go for a guy that's kind of clearly of Mourinho's cho choosing. I think that um, Skriniar was definitely a guy that Mourinho wanted. I think he was linked at Manchester United. And um, I really think that was, as we said, it's the one kind of the piece of the puzzle that we are missing. And um, yeah, I, I, I can't see Joe Roden coming in tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think the valuation is just not what Spurs are willing to pay. And yeah, I hope we wait until January to get a proper centre-back because, yeah, I, I'd rather we waited for like someone like Skriniar in January. Now, another player, Jay, on this window deadline, should we say, that's been linked with a move away. Danny Rose, John's picked up on it. He's been linked with a move to Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, as quick as that link came out, distanced himself straight away from any speculation, which tells you really where Danny Rose finds himself right now. He's in a really difficult situation. With Danny, what do you expect to happen? John mentions there that we could always, you know, prematurely end his contract. What does the future hold for Danny? Not given a squad number, yeah. not in Jose Mourinho's plans, certainly not, you know, a player that's expected to feature at all for Tottenham this season. What should Danny be doing? What should Spurs be doing right now? Yeah, look, I, I agree with John. I, I'd like to see his contract being terminated. I think it's best for him and the club. I think for, you know, you look at Jose Mourinho's squad, he likes players that are 100% committed. And of course, Danny Rose just is not 100% committed to Spurs. And um, I mean, you could say kind of rightfully so because he's kind of not even been given a squad number. But I think for him as well, he needs to go out and start playing football. He's kind of in the latter stage of his career. I think that for him, he needs to go and he, he should be wanting to go and play football. So for me, I hope he, his contract situation, we kind of resolve that in, in a way in terms of we were to terminate it. I think that'd be a good move for, for all parties. I can't see him, you know, getting a loan out. I, I can't see anyone want, willing to kind of pay a loan fee or... Um, trying to do a permanent deal um, and as you know as John said I don't think anything will happen in January either so I think it would just be a case of we'll probably see his contract terminated at Spurs and, and that's the way that we'll part ways with him Okay interesting final thoughts let's go to Lee very quickly on this because John's already brought him up Lee Jack Clark what do you think the future will hold for Jack it seems that he's impressed Jose Mourinho in training so far he's got Gareth Bale there nurturing him away Harry Kane around him do you feel Jack Clark maybe could be one of those surprises that you may see in the Carabao Cup, you may see in the FA Cup, and dare I say, in the Europa League? This guy could be given a chance here. 
No, <laughs> I don't actually. Uh, sorry, to... <laughs> I'll build that up for no reason. Jack. And and John John is obviously the expert on the on the raw talent and the youth coming through. But you know, for me, I just think that you know, like we've done with Troy, like we've done with um, you know Kane before him, to, to go out and, and to get another decent loan. I think that the training and the aspect of being around the first team this summer and during this period has been brilliant for him, giving him some confidence, whatever. But like John said about um, Cameron Carter Vickers, they do well out when they're on loan, so he's got to go and play games. I don't think for his development, John might disagree, I don't think for his development sticking around in our in our team, if you look at our squad now, how's he getting in that front six ever? You know, you've got Deli Alley that is not even getting in that front six. You've got Lamella still here. You've got Lucas that can't get in the team with Bale and Kane and Son's playing. So, you know, I just, I don't know. I, I think, I think he's one for the future. And, um, I, I, you know, and look, maybe I'm doing him a bit disservice. Maybe he can break into the first team, but I, I can't, I can't see it. So, so therefore, I would, I would probably rather put him out on loan so he gets minutes, like we've done with Cessignon, like we've done with Foyth, like we've done with Troy Parrott. Um, and then at least he comes back to the club next year with some really good minutes and confidence under his belt. Because I do think he's got, he's got some, I think his confidence took a massive hit. When, he, when we signed him from Leeds and loaned him back, they never played him. And then he went to QPR and never played. Like, he didn't really play a lot of minutes. And I think that hit his confidence. So confidence is back now under Jose with the boys around him. Now get him out on loan. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out on loan tomorrow. Just just on his confidence as well. Didn't he? He had that collapse when he was in the championship as well, when he was kind of taken to hospital. So I think for that, that that definitely would have given his confidence a huge knock. So it is, I think we've, we've seen there was a very talented player in there. I remember actually speaking about him um, and one of the Love Sports shows before we signed him, we said he was a very talented player. And um, yeah, I, I just think it is kind of about confidence. And maybe the thinking there is kind of, you know, looking at training with the likes of Gareth Bale and Harry Kane. I think it's, you know, I, I still think, as Lee said, he would benefit from going out on loan. You know, we've we've seen, you know, some finally some of the players been given that opportunity to do so. I mean, you know, Carl Walker-Peters, of course, the guy who really didn't, wasn't helped by um, not having any first-team opportunities. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of, a, it's a strange one. I, I guess that it's just a case that they're kind of wanting him to, to learn from these players like uh, Bale, and, Bale and Kane. I think that's maybe the thinking. On, on Clark, though, what I must say is I'm pleased at least he's playing for the 23s. Under other regimes, he wouldn't have been playing any football whatsoever. He would have been doing the train to not play tactics that we saw happen to Oliver Skip, to Carl Walker-Peters, uh, Troy Parrott last season. I'm really pleased that under this new management structure at the club, and that comes from everybody, including... Um, you know, Dean Rustrick, who's been appointed as the academy manager, there is certainly a change around that players can always play for the 23s now if that's the decision of the senior coaching staff. And we've seen that with the likes of Jack Clark this season. Harvey White's played every game for the 23s. Dennis Serkin, when he's not been injured, has played for the 23s. Brandon Austin in goal. They just weren't playing before. So I'm really pleased that this change around. And with Clark, the game time I see him getting is in the Europa League. I think there's some really weak opposition in our group, especially in the home games against the likes of Antwerp. Um, you know, I can certainly see Jack Clark getting some runouts there, maybe stoking the Carabao Cup. And then maybe by January time, once those easier fixtures are banked, then he can head out on loan, having impressed maybe in the uh, Europa League or, or Carabao Cup. There you go, guys. That is your domestic window roundup. Of course, keep an eye on Sky Sports News and keep an eye on all, like I say, digital platforms. Last word on Spurs, Daily underscore Hotspur, Lily White Rose, Lee McQueen. Like I say, if there's any breaking news, if Joe Roden becomes a Spurs player... You will hear from us first and we'll be very, very surprised. But who knows? Anything can happen with Tottenham, as this summer has told you. We are going to go for a very quick break. When we return, 
Bale is back. Yes, Gareth Bale is back. West Ham United preview, fan opinion, West Ham fan TV, the West Ham way. We've got a crazy next half an hour in store. Probably a little bit more. We always say half an hour. It always goes over half an hour. We've got lots to come. Don't go anywhere. We're back after this very, very short break. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. go we're back for a real analysis now of Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham United nothing special nothing's crazy only the best front three in the world that are coming your way fingers crossed Gareth Bale Hummin Son Harry Kane coming your way listen lots to come in this next half an hour of course we've got to start with the big news the news we've been waiting for to discuss as Tottenham fans for god the last two or three weeks Lee McQueen Gareth Bale yes Gareth Bale is set. I use the word set because we're still waiting for Jose Mourinho's pre-match press conference. Jose was planning down. We've got to say this. We're recording here on Thursday. Jose was planning very, very down whether Gareth will feature. He said, look, what's good for Gareth will be good for us. We have to wait and see. But Lee, I want to take you back for a second. Gareth played his first game for Spurs in a friendly against St. Partick's Athletic on the 12th of July 2007 but was substituted on the 80th minute with a minor dead leg. He then made his competitive debut for Tottenham against Manchester United on the 26th of August in a 1-0 defeat when Nani scored that goal. Do you remember anything, Lee, of that debut first time around with Gareth Bale? I remember the first, what was it, 25 or 26 games where he didn't, he, he, he was on the losing side, right? he didn't win a game. And, and people thinking, you know, we've got this, uh, we've got this guy, I think it was five million, I might be wrong here, but I think it, we, we, we originally paid a five million pound down payment or whatever for him for Southampton. And he's going to be brilliant. And I remember at the time we'd beaten off competition from Sir Alex and Manchester United and whatever. And I always think that's a bit weird because, you know, if Manchester United want people Typically back then, for sure, they used to get him. Um, yeah, and I remember him coming in, and he was a he was a you know he was a young kid, wasn't he? he had long wispy hair, and he couldn't stop touching it, like a little bit like you, Rick. Uh, <laughs> always touching his hair, always you know his it, hair. You notice know now when we do it on this, you notice it now. That's it, that's it. I know. Um, and uh, you know, he's, every time he did a thing, he'd touch his hair, and you think, bloody hell, you just you're just interested in your hair, like get down and play football, and and then I don't know when it was, but there was something changed in his physique. Um, d- during that period of time. And then all of a sudden, he just became, again, Jamie mentioned the word earlier, maybe it was a confidence thing. All of a sudden, he just became 
just unplayable. And the guy, the first time around, was literally outrageous. And I'm so, I'm so, I'm like a child at Christmas. I'm so excited to see him pull on that Spurs shirt and absolutely rinse West Ham on, at the weekend. I, I cannot wait. And there's no way Jose is not starting him. There's just no way. That is Jose's mind games. A little bit like Son has got an injury from Manchester United. And then he, he he steps up and uh, and runs the game and I can't wait to see that front three on the pitch and uh, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I'm I'm buzzing for it, absolutely buzzing for it. Yeah, it's impossible not to be excited. And John, coming around it to is. you, Lee mentioned it there, John, that um, the winger was infamously considered to be a jinx for Spurs after failing to win any of his first 25 games, you know, in a Spurs shirt. What do you remember, John, of that run? Because Redknapp ended yeah. up just kind of bringing him on with kind of 10, 15 minutes to go to kind of end this jinx. Can you remember the start to his Spurs career in real detail? Yeah, I really can because it, it's really unfairly remembered, actually. People say he's a jinx and 25 games. He actually started off in absolutely flying form. My first three games. So, as you said, we went up to Old Trafford. We actually played really well that day. I was in the away in that day. Berbatov led the line up front. We actually had some serious chances. We were playing very, very well. We were in that sort of uh, sky-like blue kit. Um, and we were unlucky to lose the game. The next game, we went to Fulham and we were 3-1 up. They all scored in that game. Great goal, breaking through. And I was thinking, oh my God, we've got this 17-year-old kid that's already scoring in Premier League games. Typical fashion, we threw it away and drew 3 all with Diamante Kamara scoring a bicycle kick. Um, and then third game was Arsenal at home at White Hart Lane. He scored a free kick to put us 1-0 up. Lane erupting. And then we went on and lost that game 3-1. And that was one of only the last two defeats we've had against Arsenal at White Hart Lane in about 16 years. So, um, yeah, you know, it's a bit of an unfair stat. As a, as a young left wing back, left winger, he actually scored two goals in our first three or four opening games for Tottenham. So the criticism he gets saying he was a jinx or something is unfair, basically. And uh, I'm here... Brilliant to memory, to... John. Brilliant memory. Absolutely yeah, yeah, brilliant. A... That is superb, mate. I'm a bit of a stato for these sort of things. So... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it's a bit, a bit unfair. But yeah, I thought he was a great prospect. And obviously, then then he had a few injuries. Um, and it's interesting, Lee, you mentioned he sort of bulked up. For me, there was actually two bulk ups in Gareth Bale. There was that first one where he came into the team under Redknapp. But then also that summer under AVB when he transformed into a sort of attacking yeah. player. We saw him in pre-season in America. We played New York Red Bulls and he had the number nine shirt on. And suddenly, I was like, oh my God, who is this guy? He looked like he gained you know, two stone basically across his shoulders and back. And he was a totally different shape. And he was a, a real phenomenon that preseason. He played against Red Bulls. We played, uh, I'm doing my knowledge again here. We played against uh, Sporting from Portugal. That's crazy. And then we played a final friendly in Portugal and 1-1-0. And he scored, actually. I was on holiday in Magaluf watching it with a bunch of friends. And I remember thinking, oh my God, <laughs> I can bail with the striker here. You know, one of the few times we were watching a screen and not doing other stuff in Magaluf. But um, yeah, you know, I, I was just... <laughs> Passing the background to come back, it brings back those sort of good memories from before. And he's also a fucking big, sorry to swear, but I'm so excited. He's a big game player. You know, he scores massive, goals, massive goals. Massive. He scores against Arsenal. You know, he scores at Chelsea. He scores in all the big games. So to have him on top of Kane and Son is just so exciting. You know, we've got, we've already got two guaranteed 20 goal forwards in that lineup. And we're now adding another one. But that's a joke. We're not just adding some unknown quantity, adding someone <laughs> as a minimum. As a minimum, just as good. It's, it's literally a joke, isn't it? Yeah. Literally, it's, it's, it's a not joke. fair. I mean... Other teams, it's not fair. Well, listen, well, let's, let's um... hope it's going to teams will be unfair. It's funny, no we don't ready, want to go mate. too early, no here, but ready. we've already gone way early on this. Jay, let's bring you in because what John talked about there, I think is very key that I just want to focus on for a second, is that Gareth went to AVB and he had that kind of chat with him where he said, look, I need 
some maybe guidance. And, you know, to be fair to Andre, he really did transform his Spurs career. And the pair had a scene together at Spurs 2012-2013, where it really ended with Gareth Bale really catching the eye of Real Madrid. You know, he scored 31 goals in 52 appearances that year, which, you know, prompted Madrid to go and spend that world record fee of 85 million for his services. And, you know, it's a case where, you know, Gareth said at the time that AVB said as well, he wasn't feeling himself. He needs someone to unlock his potential. And he said, I can try and change this 4-4-2 formation. You can play with three at the top, with Anderbayor, and I can move Sigurdsson to the left, cutting in. And that's when we saw Gareth really go to start on this crazy run of games where I think he scored five or six games in a row. And that is when the results exploded and he personally exploded. What do you remember, Jay, of that change of formation where Bao just became this different animal under Andre Villas-Boas? Yeah, yeah it's, I, I was, I, I'm glad you didn't ask me about his debut because I've just realised I was nine years old when he first made his oh debut. Oh my God. <laughs> I was a bit too young for that. but um, How old did that make us feel, Lee? So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I, I, I do remember though when he, you know, under AVB, he just became a serious, serious hero of mine. He kind of, the way he was, um, you know, he stepped up to the plate for Spurs on, on so many occasions. There were so many times when Spurs needed a late goal when he would cut in from the left and score. Um, scored late goals um, and yeah under AVB just kind of really developed his game we saw a fantastic player under Harry Redknapp um, you know those Champions League nights were incredible but the way that he kind of as I said he stepped up and really became the main guy for Spurs and the confidence that he had when he was the, the absolute star man that we kind of built the team around that gave him so much confidence and um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how we how we do it now um, you know obviously now we do have a lot of very talented players but I'm sure the team kind of will be focused around Gareth Bale again. So, um, you know, to have the guys in around him, and as as they said, it is, it is unfair for me. And, and we can go over ball because it is seriously, on paper, it is one of the best front threes in Europe. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited for, for Sunday. I'm so excited to see them kind of all come together. Um, and yeah, it's, I think the big thing for me is is seeing Harry Kane and, and Gareth Bale together. I mean, those are two serious serious Tottenham icons and they felt like they're in different generations of um for Spurs but look they're now together in the same team and uh you know seeing the pictures in training seeing the images from training it's just it's just a bit of a dream really and feels very surreal it's crazy isn't it it really really is crazy and Lee coming around to you we spoke about you know AVB there the effect he had in his career and from the end of that January that season 2013 Bale went on to score six goals in four matches which included braces against Newcastle United in the Premier League and Lyon in the Europa League, Lee. I mean, we remember seeing Bale really, at that stage, he was winning games single-handedly for Spurs in that last six months of his career. Are we getting back that same player? Or what are we going to have different this time around from Gareth Bale? The stats on Gareth Bale's uh, Real Madrid um, uh, achievements versus all the other superstars that have been in Real Madrid, and he he beat them all. He's got he's got more goals and more trophies than Zidane, more goals than Ronaldo, um, and uh, more assists than David Beckham, which is incredible. So I don't think we're getting the same Gareth Bale. I think we're getting a better one, and 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 I mean that in a sense of is he going to go marauding down the left hand side and burning people with afterburners? No, because he's thirty one. But is he intelligently going to put slipping Son, slipping Kane, you know, make make play j- just the very presence of the guy being on the football field, on the football pitch, is going to be is going to worry defenders because they don't know what they're going to get. Is he going to go far? Is he going to go beyond? Is he going to ping one in? He's still got a wand of a left foot. 
that's going to happen. Um, he can do free kicks. He can take corners. He's brilliant in the air. Don't forget, he's six foot as well. So, you know, that, that number nine on his back, you know, GB9, is, you know, he's going to start playing that role. They're interchangeable between the front three. It's going to be utter, It's a joke. It's literally a joke, like we said. And, you know, so I don't think we're getting the same uh, Gareth Bale um, being, uh, being, you know, the age that he's at. But what we are getting is when he left us, he had all the potential. He, had, he was the world's most expensive player at the time and full of potential. What we're now getting is somebody who's got seven years worth of experience, four Champions Leagues, a La Liga, or two La Ligas, I think, sorry, um, and uh, Copa del Rey, and playing with the very best players that you can play with at the very highest standard. He single-handedly got Wales, if you like, to the semi-finals of Euros uh, a couple of years ago as well. This, this guy's got it all, he's, he's done it all, and he's, he's back now to get a Premier League trophy. Um, and he's back to get trophies. And as, as our very own Chris Cowling was saying, you'll love this, Chris, trophies are coming. <laughs> John, coming round to you. I mean, he ultimately helped Spurs finish fifth place in the Premier League table with 72 points from 38 games. Now, we knew at that time that wasn't enough for Spurs to qualify for the Champions League. I think at that point, that was still a club record total at that point for Tottenham under Andre Villas-Boas. What can he achieve this time around, John? All joking aside, listen, we've seen, obviously, a lot of Spurs fans get carried away, including us. We've all got carried away over this last month. But what do you generally feel is going to be different? Like I said to Lee, this time around with Bale, what kind of player are we getting that we didn't have first time around? I'm telling people, get carried away. We're a different animal to the animal that he left. We are now a club that has played in the Champions League final, that has been in the Champions League four successive years, that has got the second biggest stadium in the Premier League. We're in the top 10 clubs in world football. We are now a super club, and it's just the recent trophies that are missing. The history is there. Don't give me all this trophy banter. The history is there. Sixth most successful side ever in English football. Eight FA Cups, three European trophies, two league titles, four league cups. You know, it's all it's all there. For one superstar player to come in and get us over the line. One trophy. If we can get that Carabao Cup, I'll be buzzing because that's just the start. That is the start of the legacy of these players, the likes of Harry Kane, Hummin Son, Toby Alderweireld, you know, Hugo Lloris, winning trophies at Tottenham and it becoming the normal. Not something that we're waiting for. It's becoming a, you know, a season in, season out thing. And it's what we deserve, you know. Us fans, we've followed this club over the last 30 years and, you know, uh, in, in the less successful period. We've, we've built this amazing stadium now. Everything is there for these players now to move on to the next level. And I feel like someone like Gareth Bell that's been there, done it and won it, putting him into the mix could be that vital missing jigsaw piece as we've all been talking about. And I'm just so excited, Ricky. I really am. And I'm excited for some of our fans maybe that maybe didn't get to see too much of Gareth the first time round in a Tottenham shirt and have known him more for what he's done for Real Madrid to see him in that Tottenham shirt, performing well at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm just, I'm absolutely buzzing, Ricky. And I, I personally think he will do very, very well this season. We're going to look at sort of 15 to 18 goals. Um, and if you add that to what Son and Kane are going to do, we're in for a madness. Let's be real. Do you know what I love about it? I've said, let's not get carried away. We've all, we've all got madly carried away. It's, it's hard to not get excited. I mean, Jay, come around to you. Listen, you said there, I mean, when Gareth first signed, you know, you nine years old, I still find that incredible. I mean, I feel so old. Hearing that, God is what me and Lee, I don't know what you feel like after hearing that. Jamie, nine years old and Gareth Bale signed. How does that make you feel? Bloody hell, leave it out, Rick. Bloody hell, I'm not that fucking old. Hello, I'm thinking for, for us, for, I mean, for both of us, for both of us. I'm, I'm thinking, only joking, my God, mate. I'm just... only joking. I am old. I'm old, mate. No, I'm over. I've, 
I've, I've passed the big four o. I mean, the Leg- Ledley King just joined the club uh, last week, didn't he? In the, in the big four o. So uh, yeah. no, it's, it's it's good to be there. But Jane, w- do you even remember Gaffer? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I, me- I, I remember vaguely his stupid hair at the start, but uh, yeah, luckily got that sorted quickly. Didn't Jay, me? from a player, then so listen, you've what as a Spurs fan, you've seen him grow up and what he's done in terms of the Inter Milan yeah. games. You know the incredible goals he scored. The Man United goal comes to mind. I mean, there's so many goals. The West Brom goal. I mean, that goal there is a great goal. You know, the Southampton, the Sunderland goal. We can go through so many amazing goals that he scored to win games single handedly for Tottenham. And um, what do you think, Jay, for you looking at it now? Gareth obviously has gone away. He's coming back to Tottenham. Four Champions Leagues, 14 trophies, serial winning mentality from his perspective. How much confidence would that bring to a dressing room where I look at someone like Kane and Son? Don't get me wrong, these guys are on a amazing, amazing level in terms of their goal-scoring ability, their link-up play. You add Gareth Bale into that, that injection of winning mentality, what does that do to a squad? Yeah, look, firstly, I think what John said earlier, just uh, just then, I think, you know, for the last 10 years or so, Spurs have kind of had this idea of building ourselves up to where we are now. Um, we had the manager that was, you know, that young manager who was able to develop players, who was able to get the best out of what he, uh, of, of, uh, what he was given. Um, you had young players who we were able to develop up. That was kind of the profile of what we were signing. We had young players to come through, sign them, and then maybe sell them for a larger fee. Um, growing the fan base, you know, the fan base has grown exponentially over the last few years. And now we are at that stage where we, you know, and we've got Jose Mourinho in place. We've got a fantastic world-class manager in place who's won 20 trophies. You know, the profile of the club is massive now. We've got the, one of the best stadiums in the world, one of the best training grounds in the world. And it feels as though Spurs are now at that point where kind of, we, I, I'd say it, we, we feel like we're ready to explode and we're ready to start winning those trophies. We're at that stage now. I feel as though Daniel Levy deserves so much credit because it's always been about trusting the process. And I've always, I've always believed that Daniel Levy was going to start delivering at Spurs. It was always just going to be a case of when we moved into that new stadium and we're kind of seeing the effects of that now. I think it was, you know, I can understand it was hard to see where Spurs were going, but where we are now, we've just signed Gareth Bale as well. That just shows you what Spurs are trying to do now. We're looking to become the end product. And um, yeah, I, th- I think now we, we are going to get, a, we're going to get a different Gareth Bale. We've got a Gareth Bale who's won four Champions League titles. Um, you know, we speak about Jose Mourinho having the winning mentality. Well, we've got a guy who's won four Champions League titles. As I said, he's won multiple trophies in Spain. He knows how to win finals and that that could be huge. And maybe when we get to some finals this season, if, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, if we do, we've now got a guy that knows how to win them. And we've also got, you know, we saw Reguilón Camenu won the Europa League. Um, we've got Joe Hart, who's brings, who's of course won um, the Premier League title, and of course other trophies as well. So th- there is now real winning mentality in this in this squad, um, and Gareth Bale certainly brings that. I think in, in terms of he's also matured a lot as a player. Um, I think we've seen that with Harry Kane and Shungin Son this season. I think they've added both of them have added so much more to their game. I mean, we see the way that Harry Kane drops deep um, and is able to dictate play, and I think we'll see something similar with Gareth Bale. Um, we'll see a more mature Gareth Bale. So, yeah, I think it'll be a slightly different role to what he used to do at Spurs, but I'm I'm very, very excited. Ja- Jamie, do you, do you think that the Bale effect, I mean, I tweeted this about the training. Imagine seeing this guy on the training field as another player and not raising your game 20%. I, I tweeted that in the week. Do, do you think there's a factor for that, for, for Son, for Kane, that he's coming to this club and 
utter winner and a legend as well at the football club. Do you think they've just puffed their chest out a bit and gone, hello, um, yeah, actually, I think I better raise it up a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And that's where you're seeing them performances. Do you think that Do you think that might be the case as well? The thing is, can you imagine if you're one of the players and you're looking around and you're at this incredible training facilities, you're, you're working under Jose Mourinho, you've just got Gareth Bale added to the squad. You know, you must feel as, you know, as a player, you must feel as though, right, okay, I'm, this club's serious now. Um, and, and that will give them so much confidence. They'll look so happy today in training with Gareth Bale there. Um, and it, you know, I, I really, I think it is genuinely not just as a player and what he'll bring on the pitch. I think that what he adds off the pitch in terms of that lift that he's given the whole club, um, that excitement, um, I think that that's something that will definitely be a factor for Spurs. And yeah, I think I, I think you're totally right, Lee. I think it is. It's going to be such a such a psychological uh, effect for them as well in terms of everyone wanting to raise their game. So. It's um yeah it's uh very very excited and uh, I think John's you know John's right we it is a case I think we you know it is difficult not to get carried away but I th- I think we're right to do so. Love it. Well, listen, guys, we're going to go for a very quick break. Taking you into this break is Corey from the West Ham Way, followed by Dan Lawless from West Ham Fan TV. When we come back, we are providing you with the West Ham preview and also our preferred 11s going into the game against West Ham United. Do not go anywhere. We are back after our final break of the show. So it is a massive game for West Ham against Tottenham at the weekend. It's a London derby. It's going to be a tough one. Spurs are in some unbelievable form at the moment. Obviously, they beat Southampton 5-2, smash United 6-1. West Ham, on the other hand, are still in some decent form. We beat Wolves 4-0, beat Leicester 3-0. Two clean sheets for us, which is which is a great result given our defensive problems. But in terms of the starting lineup for West Ham, uh, obviously Fabianski is going to start in goal. You're going to have two wing-backs, in my opinion. You're going to have Kufel, who's come back from international duty. Um, he should be fit and ready to go. Arthur Mazawaku on the left-hand side is a left wing-back. Again, he's had a run of games and looked really impressive since he's come into the side. We'll probably stick with the same back three. Um, so it'll be Angelo Ogbonna, Fabian Balbuena and Aaron Creswell on the left of that centre-back pairing. Now, it isn't ideal to have Aaron Creswell as a, as a centre-back. Aerially, he's not that strong, but but he has proven to be a decent a decent replacement in that position. Obviously, Diop's out injured. So potentially, you could see Craig Dawson come into there. Potentially, you could see Issa Diop come into there. But Moyes tends to stick with the winning side. So that's the all likelihood for the for the defensive element. Uh, midfield, obviously, no-brainer with, with uh, Declan Rice and Thomas Suchek. I thought Declan Rice played really well against Belgium second half. Um, showed a little bit of what he's capable at, at West Ham. Uh, Thomas Suchek, you'll see box-to-box runs. Aerially, he's very strong. His late runs into the box. He creates chances as well. He's a very good centre midfielder. He's a fantastic acquisition um, in January. And those two are going to have to work really hard against the three-man Tottenham midfield. Um, and then for the front three, it's going to have to be Pablo Fornals on the left, uh, Mikel Antonio down the middle, um, and Jared Bowen on the right-hand side cutting in now. Uh, Pablo Fornals had a brilliant game against Leicester. Looked really promising, got an assist, got a goal. Again, the, the problem with, as West Ham fans is we see him not as a natural left-sided winger. He isn't that. He's more of a 10. Um, but his work rate's very, very good down that left-hand side. Again, Jared Bowen is fantastic. And, you know, one thing missing from his game was his ability to get goals and assists, but he's always had fantastic work rate. Added that to his game, particularly with those finishes against Wolves and against Leicester. Um, and I expect him to be in decent form against Spurs and try and maybe target an Aldevarez or, or maybe a Sanchez. And then Mikel Antonio is a real, real problem. Um, 
obviously he's played a number of positions for West Ham, but particularly since Project Restart, he's become our, our main centre forward. He can hold the ball up. He can link play very well. We can run him behind. He's good in the air. He has so many attributes to his game that, that make West Ham tick. And I think he can put pressure um, on your defenders. I think he can make it really difficult for them. Um, and he'll look to get in behind and open up space for four nails and Jared Bowen. Um, so in terms of the tactics, I mean, I mean, look, West Ham will play that 3-4-3 that's been so successful. Naturally, when we're on the defence, those those wingbacks will cut in and sit deep and West Ham will have a real low block. Um, but against Leicester, you know, Moy showed a little bit more um, of a tactical side. We pressed Leicester a little bit in that midfield. I think we're going to have to do that against Tottenham with your three-man midfield and Harry Kane sometimes dropping into that 10 role. Um, I've been really impressed with Harry Kane, it pains me to say, but... Uh, we all know how good a striker he is, but particularly in these last few games, he's shown his versatility, his runs, his intelligence as a football player. Um, and I am slightly concerned West Ham could get out running that midfield. I know Mourinho won't won't push too high and, and put too much pressure, but I think you saw against Manchester United, Tottenham began to you know push them even when they had ten men, and and you know you see Hoiberg you know uh, racking up an assist as well. So there is that worry um, from that side, but I do think going forward. You're gonna play. You're gonna play a back four down that left hand side. We could see Ty Ben Rama come in if he's fit for the game. Um, I think if if Doxy pushes on too much, I believe personally he's a natural right wing back. He isn't uh, a right back. So I mean he could vacate space there. West Ham could could isolate the two centre backs. You know Antonio is going to run in behind and cause them issues. I think West Ham have a good chance of, of competing um, on the weekend, which is something I didn't think would happen, but. Again, it, it depends on us being very defensively solid against Tottenham. Massively concerned about Hyungman Son. I know what he's like. He's he's very, very intelligent. He'll run in behind. He can pick up positions. He's fantastic on the ball. His finishing is very good as well. Um, and that interchangeability between Son and Kane, whether one man goes and makes the run in behind or one sits and finds him, it's going to be an issue for West Ham. But I think we can combat it. Um, with a back five, making it tough in midfield. Maybe Pablo Fornells can come off that left and we can have a 5-4-1. We make, make it very difficult for teams to break us down. We're very, very good at that. As a West Ham fan, though, of course, it really is just about once we've beaten that press, once we've taken the pressure off, attacking with pace, using our mobility, trying to isolate Tottenham's weak areas um, and, and find that space and create chances. And I, and I think particularly recently, West Ham have shown that they can take them, which is something that we haven't been able to do for, for a long, long time now. So again, it's going to be a super competitive game, in my opinion. It's going to be tentative. It's going to be physical. Um, I will touch on it briefly, but obviously Gareth Bale, I think, is ready for the game. <laughs> again, I don't really want to see Bale come on that pitch at all, if I'm honest. Um, but it's interesting to see just as a football fan, as a neutral, where he plays, whether, whether you play him out on the wing, maybe where Moore is at the moment or or whether he plays a little bit more central. Maybe his pace is, isn't as good as it was when he was at, at Tottenham like previously and with Madrid. So all remains to be seen. It's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. But yeah, <laughs> that's my take on the situation. Dan Lawless here from West Ham Fan TV here to preview the Tottenham versus West Ham game here on The Last Word on Spurs. And going into this game, I don't quite know what to expect. A lot of the times when we play you guys, we happen to be going through a bad run of form at the time. It always seems to work out like that. But no, you know, we know that, you know, being a derby, being a key game, you know, the players will get up for it. They they always seem to get up for it, as you guys know. Um, this time, we're in good form. 
and you guys are in good form as well. So it creates a very interesting dynamic going into it, and I don't know quite what to expect, but I'm really looking forward to finding out and uh, seeing how the game goes. So what you guys can expect from us, uh, starting with the formation, I believe we're going to stick with the 5-2-3 formation that we've been playing the past couple of weeks that has really, uh, really worked out well for us. We were, uh, you know, should have beat Arsenal with it. We should be unfortunate not to not to pick up any points when we were the better team uh, and then yeah four goals against Wolves and three against Leicester two clean sheets it's working very very well for us so I'm very interested to see how it will work against Tottenham I don't think we're going to change the starting lineup from Leicester so that's going to be Masuaku at left wing back who's really doing well in that position I've been calling for him to be in that position for a long time um, so he, it allows him to really get forward more and focusing more on the attacking side of his game. Then you're gonna we're gonna have uh, three centre backs: Aaron Creswell, um, who was our first choice left back for much of last season. He's been doing quite well with that, um, you know, as, as a as a centre back as part of that that back three. He's been playing well there, and he had a really good game against Leicester. So quite happy with him. Ogbonna, runner up. For player of the year, a lot of West Ham fans had him down as their player of the year because he was unbelievable last season. Definitely one of our best players and he, he is solid. So he's definitely going to be someone that we're going to be relying on against against Spurs. Then we've got uh, Babuena, who didn't play a lot last season, but Diop did pick up uh, the coronavirus. He did test positive of it and so he dropped out of the, the, the side and Babuena came in, um, who had a good game again last week. Or, Two weeks ago, uh, so foul at right wing back who looks to be a very good signing, identified by uh, Thomas Suchek, four million pound signing, and um, yeah, looks like a very good player. Intense, works hard, defensive work as well. Looks solid, puts in a tackle. Very happy with him. Uh, obviously, Fabianski at the back. Then we're going to have Declan Rice in the middle, who everyone knows about Declan Rice. He a solid player he does his job well but he's also adding the attacking side to his game so defensively he's sound very calm on the ball he's got leadership capabilities he's going to, probably going to be our captain for the game and yeah I, I really really love Declan Rice and I don't get why he gets some of the criticism he does get Suchek in the middle box-to-box player likes a goal very deadly at, at, at set pieces and just in general just running onto that back post and, and heading the ball in um, really, really intense player. Then we're going to have Pablo Fornals on the left, who, because we're playing wing backs, he, he's much more able to come in on the inside, which is much more comfortable. He's much more comfortable in the middle, but unbelievable work rate. My man of the match against Leicester, the touch that he brought that ball down with and the finish was just unbelievable. So he's getting more confidence. Jared Bowen, another great signing from January, another player that works hard and has you know can can finish as well so he's on a good run of form and then Antonio a player you guys know all too well and he's an unbelievable form I think he's the top goal scorer in the Premier League since we came out of lockdown so it form wise he's he's doing really well and he's got that work rate he's got the strength and he's got the pace so he's someone who's going to be a, a a big danger um so yeah i think that and that is our strength i talked a lot about work rate that is going to be our strength for this game is working hard uh pressing when we need to and just having that intensity and the physicality to our game 
Uh, and I'm very interested to see how the back five does against Tottenham. That works really well against Leicester. Vardy, he's, enough, he's a player who likes to get in, in behind um, and, and score goals. And we kept him so quiet. And the times I've seen you guys play, I can't remember, it might have been against Wolves where you guys, I think it was Wolves, where you just kept getting in behind over and over again and just, you know, really putting them under pressure and really punishing them. And you're doing similar against uh, Man United. So I'm very interested to see if we can use this against you guys to similar effect. Difference is you guys do have some really good link-up play between Son and Kane and play, you know, a lot of one-twos that can really cause defensive problems there. You've got Gareth Bale, who I'd be surprised if he starts because he hasn't played football in a long time. So it's going to be very interesting. If we can if we can um, sort of keep that, that front three quiet, soak up some pressure and hit you guys on the counter-attack and just work hard and um, put your put your attackers under pressure, then I think we can get something out of this. So I'm looking forward to it. So let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, thanks to the last word on Spurs for having me on and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello and welcome back to the final part of the last word on Spurs. Thank you ever so much for downloading, guys. I hope you're enjoying the content. Like I say, we've tried to cram in as much as we can over this international break. You had the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust, the wonderful Cat and Martin that gave you all the very latest news on the club. If you haven't heard that show yet, go back and listen to that. We had the wonderful Dimitar Berbatov with us during the week to celebrate the last one on Spurs' third birthday. Again, another cracking show with the team. Go and check that out if you haven't listened. But listen to this one you listen to right now because we are about to preview West Ham United to come on Sunday. Very, very exciting times. John, let's start with you because West Ham, they sit 10th in the Premier League table, having won two and lost two of their opening four matches. But the numbers behind their performances suggest that the Hammers are a very capable team this season. You know, David Moyes' side, they rank third in the division for total shots so far, having attempted 58 times, which places them only behind Liverpool. And interestingly, Spurs on 64. So, you know, I've got to tell you, West Ham, John, as much as they may not have had the greatest start, they're a decent team. What do you think we're expecting against them? Yeah, you know, West Ham will will come as they always do and, and throw everything at the game. It means more to their support than, than any other fixture. They, they don't get to play their actual rivals, Millwall. Um, so they sort of take it out on us. And that's why this rivalry exists. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll be in for a hard game with West Ham, as we always are. It was absolutely great last year to, to finally get the six points off them. We hadn't done that since the days of AVB. Uh, a home and an away win, albeit our record at the London Stadium is phenomenal, having won 80% of our matches there. Um, but, you know, the clubs are on two different wavelengths. You know, West Ham, you know, are they West Ham United? Are they West Ham London? I don't know what badge they're currently operating under, uh, under that strange ownership of Gold, Sullivan and Brady. You know, the supporters scream for them to be out all the time, but the investment in the playing staff is there. They spent £45 million on Sebastian Haller. They spent £20 million on Isaac Diop. They spent 32 million on Yarmolenko. They spent 32 million on Felipe Anderson. They spent 22 million on Pablo Fornells. You know, their fans scream about this. The board aren't backing them. The board, aren't, well, the money has been spent. If you haven't got the manager or you haven't got the infrastructure to harness those tools on on the, you know, that's being spent, it's embarrassing. The whole situation and the whole stadium, you know, the sort of circus feel to the stadium and the club. Um, you know, and, and their sort of irrational hatred towards us. I find West Ham a very peculiar club, but uh, enough of that and on to how they're doing on the pitch. They, yeah, they started the season poorly with that home defeat to Newcastle, um, but they seem to have had two very strange results in their win away to Leicester, 3-0. I mean, that's a standout result for anybody and also beating Wolves 4-0. 
So since David Moyes has been banned from the Olympic Stadium, results have uh, dramatically picked up. I don't know, is he going to be back this weekend? Or is the ban voluntarily continuing? We've not had confirmation, John, on that. I mean, John, what do you think? Are you concerned if he is back? Does that mean we hope he's back, don't we, at this rate? If that's the case? Yeah, look, we we need him back. Mourinho's never lost a game against him. Um, You know, he was they were horrific when they came to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium after Project Restart West Ham. Um, so, look, I'm not really worried about it. I think on the day, I just think the momentum of having Gareth Bell in the side, you know, they could have a West Ham All-Stars team with John Moncur in there and Thomas Repka, Marlon Airwood. You know, they wouldn't be able to stop us on the day. Unfortunately for them, they're coming back on the day. Gareth Bale, Hummingson, Harry Kane, it doesn't matter who we're playing against. West Ham United, I'm afraid. It's over. You know, West Ham London, it's over. Sorry, guys. I'm really worried. This reminds me so much of John's build-up oh, to the Everton game. Don't really give him worried. a talk. Listen, wait. David Moore, if you're listening, do not go and take this interview and put it ahead of the motivational talk ahead of the game. I do agree with a lot what John's saying there. I do. And mm. the thing is, yeah. coming around to you, Lee, you look at them, and, you know, the games that they've had so far, perhaps their results are those two early consecutive losses against, you know, Arsenal and Newcastle. I don't know if they've gone under the radar slightly because, you know, you have to say there, you know, the, the standout result there to go and beat Leicester, you know, in the manner they did, you know, at the King Power, that's a yeah. great result. And they're a team, you've got to be careful, haven't you? You can't get too carried away. Yeah. It's not going to be an easy game. This they all, I must make this point. They always raise their game for Tottenham. They, they always do. do. They do. Yeah, they do. And I've got my little uh, blue book out now, my, my stats book, and uh, you know my, my bit of MNF on, on West Ham. And look, you know what you're going to get from West Ham? You're going to get a, a back five, you're going to get a, a, a middle four, and you're going to get one up top with Antonio, and he's a bully up top. Not not in a bad way. I think he's a good player. Actually, I, I like I like, quite like him. He reminds me actually of somebody that Chose would probably like as our, as our backup striker if anyone wants to back up one. Um, but uh, ultimately, they play a four-five-one, um, and yeah, I mean, you, you look at they're, they're a counter-attacking team, and actually. They've, they've they've hit a lot of shots. I mean, they, they lost two one to Arsenal with a four five one setup, but they had fourteen shots um, on at goal, and only three on target to be fair. But fourteen shots is a deep, decent effort. They're finding their feet second game of the, of the season. You know that they, they, they then turned up at Wolves, played a four five one, had less than thirty two percent possession, fifteen shots had that game, seven on target, and they scored four. So, you know, like you say, that's impressive. And then you look at the Leicester game straight after that. They've uh, 4-5-1 again, so you know what you're going to get. 14 shots again at goal, six on target, and they scored three of them. Um, very much on the counter-attack and very much, you know, they didn't have, in the last three games, they didn't have over 40% of the ball. So you know what they're going to do. They're going to come to to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They're going to set up as a 5-4-1. Alan Irvine, as you rightly said, is, is getting all the plaudits because David Moyes, bless him, um, it hasn't been at the stadium or whatever. So, uh, you know, Alan, Alan's been taking the plaudits. But, but they're going to set up with a five and a four and a one, and they're going to hit us on the counter. And what's quite interesting about that is that Spurs, or, or, or certainly under under Jose Mourinho, we've almost been the counter-attacking teams as well in certain instances. So what's interesting about all of them stats is when West Ham did have the possession, when they had the lion's share of the ball against Newcastle, who had 58%, they lost 2-0. So that's that's very interesting. So with the ball, maybe they prefer not having the ball. Um, and you know, what did what does Jose call it? The low block, or I don't know whatever the tactical thing is, but West Ham definitely block, doing yeah. it. The old low block. De- Declan Rice for me is the key man. Um, I watched him. Uh, I think it was in last game. 
against Leicester. He was absolutely outstanding. He ran the game, uh, you know, marauding up the field as well, taking the, uh, nicking the ball off of people's toes, really starting that, tra- that, that kind of transition phase. And look, and like you say, they raised their game. So they're going to be listening to us, listening to John's pep talk, listening to all of his stuff. And they're going to be thinking, well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to spoil their day. Now, the thing is, we went to um, the London stadium uh, when Jose's first game, wasn't it last season? And we won three, two, three, you that was brilliant. You know, Delhi was absolutely outstanding that game where he kept the ball in play and then Son went on and, um, you know, some, some really good stuff going on. Davis got injured, but we still let them score in two goals you know, t- towards the end. So I, I think with, um, uh, with uh, the fellow that they brought last year from Hull, is it Bowden? No, not Bowden, uh, Bowden. He's one to watch. Um, and Tony is always going to cause a problem. The biggest issue I think that we've got, and this is, you know, this would have been classic Spurs if you're looking at it with your your, your pessimistic hound is um, Ben Rama, and 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 actually signing Ben Rama for for, for them. He's had a medical today, um, five year deal, so that's going to be completed. Whether or not he plays is kind of a little bit by the by, but he's on fire, um, shots on target, and dribbles attempted last year in the Championship first against every whatever player. Um, scored 17 goals, six, uh, seven, um, uh, nine assists. And he is a good player. And I know yeah. some of you transfer, you, you and Jamie in particular, fancied him at Spurs. Uh, maybe maybe he's a new Mares or whatever. It's an easy easy thing to say because he's Algerian. But but the, but, the, but the reality is that that's going to give him a boost. And, and when you hear John roll off all of them signings they've made, the board have backed. They have they have been backed in, in that, with their managers and they've put their money where their mouth is. And I think that... Um, I think him signing might give him that boost that the way that we're talking about kind of a Gareth Bale, if you like. Having said all of that and all of them stats, we just stuck six past Manchester United at Old Trafford. We stuck five past Southampton away from home. We're absolutely on fire. We've got Gareth Bale to come back in the team. Best front three in the Premier League. I, I can't I can't see us not outscoring West Ham. So I don't think it's going to be a clean sheet for Tottenham um, because of the Antonios of this world and whatever's, but... I think that I think we're going to outscore them, and long may that continue. I think we're going to have a fantastic game again. I hope you're right, Lee. Jay, coming round to you. We know there's a couple of injury doubts for West Ham. I think Arthur Masawaku, who withdrew from the DR Congo squad, was due to actually face Burkina Faso. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, like I say, if he does feature. I think we also know that at the moment, Issa Diop was also among the concerns, having tested positive for the coronavirus in recent weeks, but he's now back in contention. And I think also, as things stand, Ryan Fredericks. Now, there is hope that he may be fit in time. So, I just wonder, Jay, you know, we're playing a West Ham side here that, you know, on the face of it, they're better than what they reflect in the table. They're not really where they should be. They're 10th in the league. We've already seen what they can bring to the table. Is there any concern that we're getting too overly hyped on the bow factor, the Son, the Kane? And my worry is, do we pay enough respect to West Ham? Because we've seen them go away to Leicester before the international break, play ever so well. And we know, as I keep on emphasising this point, they always raise their game for Tottenham. Are you concerned a little bit at all about their setup and how they're going to play against us? Yeah, I think I've got to be a bit nice to them because I think uh, John absolutely murdered them <laughs> in his analysis. But no, I, I think Lee, Lee was you know spotting in everything. <laughs> they are a counter-attacking side. You saw the way they played against Leicester. All three of their goals were quick moves, which they broke from the back. Um, I think, again, Jared Bowen, for me, is the guy that, to look out for. I think he really impressed against Leicester. Um, kind of everything that he brings to the team. I think, you know, the speed, um, the, you know, his, his ability to, to pick out players is something that Spurs will have to look out for on the weekend. He's definitely the guy for me to look out for. 
Um, but yeah, they, they, they are a decent side now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how we set up, given they're a counter-attacking side. I think Lee's mentioned it again. It was, you know, sit, will we play kind of a low block? So I can see that kind of happening. And, um, you know, Spurs trying to be the counter-attacking side on the weekend. And you look at the options that we've got in, in the, as our wide forwards now, you've got some very, very exciting players to hit them on the counter-attack. You know, Bale and, Bale and uh, Son on either side. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I still think that Spurs, you know, we've got to be favourites for this one. I still think we've got more than enough quality to go and beat them. And as I'm sure Jason will want us to say, look, we've got more than enough attacking equality to to go and really hurt them. So, um, yeah, I, for me, it's, you know, yes, they are playing well at the moment. Yes, it does seem to be clicking for them. Yes, they've got Antonio, uh, Jared Bowen in, in, in form. Um I still think it's, you know, Spurs, it's, it's a game that Spurs have to be winning. One player I think we must mention if we're going to talk about West Ham fairly, he's actually my uh, favourite player I've seen for West Ham in a long time, is Thomas Suchek. He's a Czech Republic sort of box-to-box midfielder they signed in January. He's had an excellent impact to them. Um, yeah. He's a real danger in the box, actually. Um, he scored, he's didn't own... he, both ends? Didn't he score, yeah, sorry, he... John, didn't he score both ends against he, us he... last time? Yeah, he scored no goal, didn't he? He did, he's a real physical presence, actually. And he scored a couple of headers since they've signed him. Uh, their fans have been delighted with him. And for he is one where the money's been well spent and they've, you know, he's delivered on the pitch. Um, so I think he's one we're really going to have to watch out for because he's, he would benefit from the exact sort of goals we concede, which are giving away a sloppy free kick outside the box. It comes in and either they win that first header or the second transition header. It's always, always causing us a problem. And he is someone that can capitalise on it. So for me, along with Jared Bowen, who you guys mentioned, uh, they are the two real danger men for uh, West Ham. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fair point. The, uh, the Spurs team news. Now, as we hopefully understand it, listen, we're recording on Thursday here. We haven't heard Jose Mourinho's pre-match press conference yet, but we expect he's going to have pretty much a full squad to pick from. We're waiting to hear about Eric Dyer. Obviously, we know he sustained a slight knock during the week, but Lacelso, Tanganga, Bergvine, we expect them all to be fit if there's no new injuries concerns. And, you know, in goal, I think it's pretty obvious. We've got Lloris in there as the main goalkeeper. By distance, you still feel Joe Hart is back up. You've then got a defence, really, where you've got Regulon, you know, Davis to compete with. Dennis Serkin, obviously, training alongside those guys as a learning curve. You then look at wing-backs. You've got Aurea. You've got Doherty. You then look at the central defensive options. You've got Dyer, You've got Sanchez. You've got Ada Vireld. Cameron Carter-Vickers is still at the club if he doesn't move on this deadline day. You then move deeper into the midfield roles. Of course, we've got Hoybier. We've got Winks. We've got a fresher Sissoko, who was not called up by France. Tungi and Dombele, as John mentioned at the start of the show, he's also spent the last fortnight at Hotspur Way. Academy product Harvey White continues to train with the first team as he continues to learn his trade. You've then got in the attacking midfield roles now a ridiculous number of options. You've got the fresh little Hummin Son, Lucas Mora, Eric Lamella, Deli Ali, who have all been asked at the training ground to spend some time there. Of course, as we mentioned, 19-year-old Jack Clark. Bergvine, as we mentioned also, he withdrew from the Netherlands due to an injury earlier at the start of the last couple of weeks. Then a certain Mr. Gareth Bale, who's been working on his fitness ahead of this game. And then also, you can't forget, you've got Jetson Fernandes in there, who, as we know, wasn't included in the Europa League squad, along with Gazaniga. And of course, up front, Harry Kane. And how exciting am I like to see this now? We've actually got another striker. We've got another striker. Carlos Vinicius could also make his debut for Tottenham. Isn't this incredible? So let's get some teams out there. Let's go to you, John. What 11 do you want to see Spurs field against West Ham United on Sunday? Um, I think it'll be more of an 11 that Jose feels afresh. I think we'll see a lot of those players that didn't get called out for international duties starting the game. I expect to see both Tangion Dembele and Musa Sissoko start the game. 
So it won't be the sort of dream midfield that everyone wants to see of uh, Le Celso, Endombele and Huybier. I just think for the fact that Shizoko and, and Endombele have had a whole two-week period, fresh, ready to work, I expect them both to start the game. I think they'll start with Huybier in the midfield three. I'm then going to go for an attacking three of Sun, Kane and Bale. Uh, and then a back four. I'm going to go with Serge Aurier to keep his place. I think Matt Doherty has played three games in a row for Republic of Ireland. So, yeah, and I think Serge Aurier did very well at Man United. You know, he's a player that I would have happily had moved on over the summer, but he's really come on uh, leaps and bounds so far this season. So long may that continue. I'm going to go over back two of Toby Alderweireld and Davidson Sanchez. We're unsure yet on Eric Dyer's injury status. Uh, left back, I think Sergio Regulon will continue to play. And uh, then the uh, skipper Hugo Lloris in goal. John, just on your team there, out of interest, will we ever see, you know, an option there of having Hoybier, Lo Celso and Dombele? Can you ever see that happening? I know as Spurs fans, every time kind of predicted teams go out there, that's the three that everybody seems to want to see in our midfield. Is there enough trust and reliability on that three to ever feature in a game? I personally think that that is our best three as three individuals. We've never seen them really have a sustained period of game time together. So only time will tell. And it's a bit similar to when players are injured, people talk about how good they are. You know, it's you need to see people regularly to give a, a fair and honest opinion on that. We haven't had that opportunity yet, but I'm sure we will. You know, there's a lot of games to come. There's a lot of Europa League games to come. So we'll see that three. And hopefully when they bed in together and get used to playing with each other, that will be our three moving forward. Because for me, they are our three best midfield players. OK, interesting. John, don't go anywhere. We're going to come back round to you for the prediction in a couple of minutes. Let's go to Lee next. Lee, team ahead of this game. Listen, we've all got very excited. We've all got carried away over these last two to three weeks. Obviously, I know a lot of us will be picking this trio of Kane, Bale and Son to feature up top. Tell us, Lee, what's your team ahead of this game against West Ham United? Yeah, I mean, I, I am really excited about that that front three. I think it will. I think he will play them. Uh, so I'm just going to say it again, so it all sinks in, right? So I think he'll play Son, Kane, and Bale. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, okay, yeah. Sorry, I drifted off there. Um, yeah, so Song, Kane, and Bale. Um, and then I, I do agree with John again. I'm agreeing with John a lot. I, I tend to agree with the lads anyway, but I do agree with John that I don't think we'll see Lo Celso and Dembélé and Hoiber in the same side yet. And and I don't for for me, I don't think it's necessarily an, an injury thing. I think it's the the opposition that we're playing. We know they're going to play a 5-4-1. That's how they're going to come and set up. So you're going to have to have at least three in midfield and it needs to be a bit more industrious. Um, Lo Celso is uh, industrious. Dembele's uh, finding his feet in there and Hoiberg can, can run the show as he did against um, against England the other night and he did against Manchester United as well. I thought he was man of match that, that, that day as well. So um, I, I think that we'll probably get, yeah... I, I, I would I would probably go with a Sissoko as well for the same reason that John's just said. So, you know, it's not the sexy partnership but Sissoko and Dembele. I think that we need to get around a pitch. Um, I do have a feeling, though, that he might play Winks only on the basis that, you know, he's a, um, he's also had some, some time at Hotspur. Although he, he was a bit injured, wasn't he? So, no, maybe not. So I'll go with I'll go with Sissoko and Ndombele with Hoiberg sitting. Um, and my back four is the same. <laughs> In fact, I've just got to agree with John. I'm, I'm going to go with Aure for the exact same reason. I think that Doherty is going to be outstanding for us, and I really like him. But I think that he is, um, I think he's struggled to get involved with the right back versus right wing back scenario. And I think with, um, especially if they sign Ben Rama and he plays down that left-hand side, which is, 
typically where he plays, um, that, that's going to give him a, a, an issue going back the other way. So I think they play Serge Aurier um, because he was very impressive and again, outstanding against United um, with Sanchez and Toby. But I think uh, Regulon picks himself and Lloris in goal. So I think I've just picked the same team as John. Jamie, let's come round to you. Jay, what do you see the team being for this one? Again, a lot of people getting caught up on that front three. Of course they are. The excitement is there in terms of this front three. But the rest of the team, Jay, what's the makeup of it for you? What do you expect to see? Yeah, so do you know it's funny, actually, because I'm, I'm, I I don't actually think we'll see, see Bale start from the, the off. I think that uh, Mora will be the guy that's kind of selected ahead of him. I think that given Gareth Bale's just come back from injury, I think that Bale will be a guy that does come off the bench. So... That's what I think we'll see. I think Lucas Moura, obviously, as we know, he's a guy that Jose Mourinho really trusts, that he really likes. So I don't think he'll have any problems starting Lucas Moura ahead of Gareth Bale for now. Um, so I think that we'll see Moura, Son and Kane as the front three. But um, to be honest with you, I think that my team lineup would be the same as the other guys um, in terms of the rest of the team. I think Sissoko, you know, a very underrated performance against Manchester United. I think he did a very solid job in the midfield, kind of helping us at times to tick over. Um, and I think, yeah, I thought he did very well against Man United. So he, he definitely had to have um, his place merited uh, against West Ham on the weekend. I think he'll start. And yeah, I think for now, kind of the, the defensive partnership, the wing-back partnership at the moment, it's got to be Regulon and Serge Aurier, just because I feel as though Doherty and, and Regulon, they're two very attacking fullbacks. Doherty, as, you, as, we, as Lee said, is still kind of learning that um, right-back role. Of course, he played right wing-back for, for Wolves for a long time and had a lot more attacking freedom. So He's kind of learning that role at the moment. So you don't want two overly attacking fullbacks. So for me, um, yeah, I think the rest of the team would be the same as the guys said. But I think the only change I can see happening is more of a, more of a bail, which is a bit boring because we all want to see bail start from the off. But I think uh, Chris mentioned it to me, actually. You know, can you imagine that moment? It's a real proper moment of Gareth Bale coming off the bench. And that's like a, a proper coming, coming home moment for, for him. So that's going to be a, a really special moment, which I believe is going to happen. Uh, bail coming off the bench. I love it. Just to disagree with you guys, because I feel like I've got to have some little disagreement on the team. I probably would go with that midfield three. I don't know how reliable it would be, but I don't think, why shouldn't we see the likes of Lo Celso, Hoybier and Dombele? Why shouldn't we try that out? I mean, it'd be great to see those guys in action. It really, really would be. So for me personally, that's the only thing I would change in terms of the teams we've seen. Let's do predictions. Come on, it's time for predictions. Let's start with let's start with you, Jay. Come on, you've been very positive on this show, as you always try to be. What do you think is going to happen, Jay? Prediction ahead of this game? Yeah, look, as I said, I think West Ham are in very good form. And I think it's certainly a case of we've got to be cautious. They are going to certainly pose a threat. And as we know, they're a team that always turn up against us. So um, I'm definitely kind of keeping, you know, being cautious slightly. Um, but I think we've got so much uh, so much talent now. We've kind of got a team that's now starting to really buy into Jose Mourinho's way of playing. I think that's been such a big thing. They all seem to really, really believe uh, in the way that he plays now and they'll kind of do that role for him. Um, we've got so many players that kind of fit the Jose Mourinho mould right now of wanting to give everything for the team. So um, I, I still think we're going to see a win on the weekend and I'm going to go for a 3-1 Spurs win and I'm going to go for a Gareth Bell goal as well. I love that. Look at that. The confidence of Jay Brim in there. A Tottenham win and a Gareth Bale goal. Let's go round to John. John, as always, very, very positive in your stance at Tottenham. Not so on West Ham, as we probably all expected on this show. John, give us your prediction. What are we expecting ahead of this game? Yeah, I think Tottenham go into the game really confident. Um, you know, we scored a lot of goals in our recent fixtures. And uh, I just feel like the momentum of having Gareth Bale in the squad will see us over the edge. 
and I'm going to go for a join Jamie and going for a three-one Tottenham win. I love that. That was the mellow John has been all show. He's been he's been absolutely totally. ripping into West Ham. Nice and mellow. And then the way you just kind of ended that prediction it. was like, okay, just in case it all goes wrong, I'm still going to predict the Tottenham win, but I'm going to really calm it down. There you go. The wonderful John Wenham on the last one. I suppose absolutely superb. <laughs> Lee, closing the show with you. Wouldn't be right not to close it with the crazy train instructor himself, conductor. We want to name this this crazy ride that we're on. Lee, what are we expecting against West Ham United to come this Sunday? Now, incredible. I think it's a tough game. I think it's a massive opportunity for us. Uh, when you look at Everton versus Liverpool, uh, you look at Chelsea, Southampton. Southampton uh, with Danny Ings is always a threat. You look at Man City versus... So, you know, there's and Man United have got to go to Newcastle as well under under massive pressure. Um, and then and then Leicester have got Villa and Villa are unbeaten as well. So there's a huge amount of, uh, of gravitas if we go and win uh, this game and I think we will win this game um, and I think there's going to be goals and I don't think we'll be keeping clean sheets with low blocks but we're going to give them a go and I think we're going to we're going to score four um, but we're probably going to let in two so I'm going to go 4-2 Tottenham It's amazing isn't it we're, we're going now to try and outscore teams isn't it incredible what we're facing now with Spurs we're going into games Fantastic why not it's like, it's like what Jason says isn't it yeah. you know, like James said earlier and what Jason always says go out on the front foot start yeah. look the, the reality of the situation is this if we go out there and start like a train like the crazy room start fast get in their faces, high press and get Kane pinging balls to Bale and Son, we're going to score a couple of early goals. It's game over. They ain't recovering from that. They won't recover from that. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to be ruthless. The winning mentality of all them players that you said about earlier, Hoiber, Gareth Bale, Son, World Cup winning captain uh, in, in Lloris, you know, um, you know, Joe Samino, you've got to be ruthless. Mm. Joe Hart, in your face, go and get them. Yep. And, and, and if, you, if you, it's proven in the, in the, in the games that we've, we've played so far this season, let them, um, if they're going to let us have the ball, sit back, 5-4-1, just let us have the ball, let us have the, that's what they're going to do. If we're going to push your foot around them and not get in their faces, not go after them, attack them, then, then we're going to be 20 minutes in a game, half an hour in a game, 35 minutes in a game, still nil-nil. It'd be like another Newcastle. Do you know what I mean? And we've got to go at them because their game plan is going to be coming, sit in, and then counter-attack. And that's what they're going to do. So, 4-2. Love it. I'm going to go for 3-1 Tottenham. I just can't see us keeping a clean sheet as good as we've been. So, I'm going to go for 3-1 Spurs. I do expect Gareth Bale to score. I'm going to agree with Jay. I'm putting Bale on that score sheet. Let me say a massive thank you to our wonderful panel. Like I say, we've done our third birthday. We're firmly in the course now of our third year here. Thank you ever so much for all your support we've had over this last week. Like I say, we've been blessed to have Dimitar Berbatov on here. The wonderful Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust. Now, like I say, this preview against West Ham. So many shows still coming your way. So many special shows we still hope to bring your way. Jamie, thank you ever so much. Always a pleasure, Jay. Your transfer business is nearly done. Yeah, unfortunately, I do think it is over. I can't see anything happening tomorrow, which is a shame. But, you know, hopefully we'll go again in January. But look, I mean, what an exciting time to be a Spurs fan. I mean, yeah. you know, we've all obviously had all this big build-up to Gareth Bell coming home and uh, finally he's getting that opportunity. Um, you know, I'm sure the eyes of the world will be on Spurs on the weekend. You know, it's very exciting to watch this massive, massive new talent that's come back to the Premier League. Um, so I'm very much looking forward to it. And, yeah, it's going to be incredible to see Gareth Bell uh, make his debut again because as I said I didn't really get to see his first debut for Spurs so I'm really looking forward to it Love it, fantastic John coming around to you you tried to mellow it out there towards the end John we've got some exciting games to come haven't we Yeah I'm really excited for you know what this season holds I feel like we've got a, a real you know all, all the ingredients are there just need to start delivering now. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm I'm really looking forward to, as I said earlier, some Tottenham fans that didn't get to experience Bell the first time round, seeing him properly in the flesh in a Tottenham shirt this time. Very confident. Come on, you Spurs. Love it. Fantastic. And Lee, 
God, we've got some exciting games to come, some shows to come, haven't we, on this crazy train that we find ourselves on. Fantastic. It keeps on rolling and I can't wait. I mean, we got through uh, to the international break and we're still breathing, Rick. Just about. And uh, we go again. We, we go again with games coming thick and fast. We've got cap, we've got cup games. We've got Carabao Cup. We've got Europa League. We've got Premier League. Absolutely fantastic. And of course, the FA Cup's not that too far away as well. No. And uh, one, one, one for for everybody to ponder and to love. Chris Cowling. Trophies are coming. I love it. Fantastic. There you go. Trophies are coming. We're closing the show with that. We're back with you guys after the West Ham game. Hopefully, bringing you a Tottenham Hotspur win and reaction to that. Let's say enjoy the show. And as always. Come on, you Spurs! He's off on one of those runs again. The slalom king. <laughs> Bale again. Oh! oh! Unbelievable! How good is this guy? Send him onto his right foot. Left foot, left foot, whack. As brilliant as you see Askelina's been tonight, there was no- Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.